0: I would always, I always say, if you think you're doing enough, think again. Yeah. There's always more effort we could do reaching out to existing people, and it'll lead to good stuff.
1: This is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business.
2: Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike, along with Luke Acrey. And before we bring on our guest today, we'd love it if you take a minute to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're not already subscribed, then if you're not, come on. I mean, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you waiting for? While you're there, drop us a review and a comment. We'll read it here on the show. Our guest today is John Randall. John has been in the financial industry since 1999, mostly as an award-winning financial advisor for 20 years, and now an award-winning coach and consultant since 2004. He coaches some of the largest and fastest growing financial advisor practices across the country. Helping businesses grow is John and his team of coaches specialty. He's a certified master coach and is finishing his doctorate degree in performance psychology this year. John, welcome to Stay Paid. Thanks for being here.
0: Hey, thanks for
1: having me. I'm a big fan. I'm a subscriber. Yes. There we go. go. I I think John's the first one to actually say he's he's a subscriber. Not that any (laughs) of our other guests haven't subscribed. We know we love you all other guests. We don't say to subscribe enough. Yes, (laughs) exactly. But we appreciate that. Hey, man, I'm excited to have you on. I know you're an expert in really helping financial advisors grow their business, but really it extends beyond financial advising. You're really a business guru and can help people today. And I'm really excited about that. Would love for you to start and kind of share just how you got into coaching, how you got into advising, just lead us up to today.
0: Yeah, I really stumbled into this whole coach consulting that I do that I'm really passionate about. I started as an advisor, as a young kid straight out of college. Uh, My wife was from New York. I thought that'd be a pretty good place to start in the financial industry. And uh, we lived there for about five years. Uh, Her brother's on a baseball scholarship in North Carolina, in the town we live in now, in Greenville, North Carolina. And uh, we were, you know, flying down, driving down to watch him play uh, home games. And we just kind of fell in love with this part of the country. So when I moved, I kind of started over. And when I moved, it launched this coaching consulting I do. Mm. All these advisors around here said, hey, what are those big producers doing in New York? Would you show me? So <laughs> I showed them. And I probably took about a year and a half to rebuild what it took me my first five years in the business. Just I knew what worked and what didn't. And so a whole new group of other financial advisors said, whoa, how did you grow so fast? Would you show me? And then some people you know, started to hear that I was showing other people and told me about some people in Texas and they flew me to Texas and it just kind of took off around the country. And I really enjoyed helping other people grow is really the essence of what I do. It's really evolved over the last, uh, you know, really 18 years in 2004 is the year I moved to North Carolina. It's evolved over the years since then. And I'm just really passionate about that. I became so passionate. It's all I do. So I'm no longer an advisor. I'm five years out of that. I just help financial advisors grow. And it's a natural net because, you know, I was an advisor. I know these people for going to conferences. and uh, But you're right. I mean, what we do is very applicable to any business. It's, yeah. you know, I didn't make any of this stuff up. I've just copied and pasted, you know, <laughs> some great people I get to work with and copied and pasted what works for them.
1: I think that is such a, just to point out to the audience, I think that's a thing that people don't realize, like success really is, is replicating what's worked, yeah. adding your own flair. And, and rarely, <clears throat> I shouldn't say rarely, but you're not probably going to be the person who comes up with the new wheel. Right. Do you know what I mean? It's just take the wheel and and just add your flair to it and make it a tiny bit better and improve the process. Yeah. Your
2: communication style can (laughs) cut through to certain people or, or engage with certain people. We were talking a little bit before let's jump into it about this idea of, you know, one of the number one questions we get from our audience, whether it's real estate agents, financial advisors, insurance agents, or even retail stores is how do I get new customers, right? How do I grow my business through leads? Where are those leads coming from? You gave us an interesting take on that. Why don't you talk about that?
0: Yeah, this is my favorite topic, by the way, you know, how to attract new business, new clients, better clients, how to move up, but people miss the number one fundamental to do that. And the, there's two ways to grow any business. Number one, do more th- existing clients. Number two, attract new clients. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you're a financial advisor, real estate agent, or you have a restaurant, those business growth fundamentals apply everywhere. And so many people want to go to number two. They yeah. want to go right to attracting new clients, and I, and I love that topic. But the reason that number one is do more with existing clients is it's your quickest path to new clients. So when someone you know comes to me and says, "Hey, John, I really want to grow my practice. Would you show me what you did or what other people are doing?" I start with, "Hey, well, what are you doing now? Mm-hmm. You know, what's the value that you offer people?" And uh, let's take a look there, because if you really polish that up, that can be one of your greatest growth catalysts. So there's certainly some within there, but I challenge everyone that don't go right to number two, start with number one, make sure that that is in order, because the better your experience for your clients is, the better your value is that you offer people, it'll be so much easier to do number two, to attract more people and much better people. You'll become like a magnet.
2: And it plays into, I mean, the math makes sense as well. It's something like seven times more expensive to get a new client than to retain an existing client. So what are you doing? Like, what does that look like tactically? Like when you say Mm -hmm. do more for your clients, what does that actually look like from an activity standpoint?
1: So
0: number one is... Is retention, mm-hmm. you know, client retention in itself is a growth method. And a lot of businesses, especially these, you know, that, you know a lot of subscribers here, uh, a lot of our businesses involve working with people. And if we retain these people for a long time, they continue to do more business with us. That's a very profitable part of, of you know really any business. So just consider that. That's like you know the the foundation of the building of the house. So going deeper can mean a lot of different things. You know, with financial advisors, there might be more assets to manage, there might be more financial planning advice that be given could be given. There could be an insurance strategy that you haven't thought about. Mm. Uh, I just hung up with a 25 year veteran uh, advisor started with in, in New York, really a great person and we talked about a basic strategy to bring to their, you know, top multi million dollar clients just a kind of a basic insurance thing to shield some tax money and I won't go to the particulars and bore anyone on it, but you know, there's always more. And that's what this advisor said. There's always more I can do with people. There's like growth methods there. And you know what happened? This client told their brother about it. And then the brother told two of their friends about it. And it turned into like, you know, four awesome sales out of just one idea going deeper with clients. So there's always more business that can be done. And uh, so whatever industry you're in, I would look at what are the needs of the people that you serve? That's a great. How can you help them with more things?
2: That's a great point. And also, like uh, we had Dan Allison on the podcast and Mm -hmm. he said that I think the average service professional has like seven to eight different services that they can actually provide to their clients. But the average client only knows about one. Mm. So there's a big education gap there too, from the perspective of how are you making sure that your clients know everything that you do offer within that existing relationship?
0: Yeah, there's so much more. I mean, look at just the restaurant experience, right? You got appetizers, a salad, an in-course, dessert, yeah, catering, really <laughs> nice bottle of wine. I mean, you could go nuts. <laughs> it's, it's so true that... Uh, the the lowest hanging fruit sitting in front of us we we often miss. There's so much more that everyone listening could do with their clients, and starting there is big because people value when you help them with more things. You know, mm-hmm. don't think of it as you're selling them with more things. If you offer value yeah. to other people, then it's valuable to them, and the more value will become. Then they start to talk about you with you even having to have a really cool referral ask. It just happens. And within six months of everyone I work with who does these things, they all start just getting unsolicited referrals. Just people start coming in because they're doing a better job with what they have. And it's just, it's, it's so simple. Mm -hmm. Now, another caveat of going deeper is, you know, what is the experience? So a lot of us, there's a smaller number of clients that really create a lot of the revenue, a lot of the profits. So how can we go deeper with those people? How can we really enhance the experience with those people? So, you know, client service, client experience are two different things. You know, service is kind of expected, right? If you're working with a financial advisor, you kind of expect to get some decent portfolio and something good. You work with insurance and you expect to get, you know, a decent rate on your policies. You know, when when it comes to the experience, though, the experience is the feeling that people get. Hmm. as a result of doing business with you. And that's where you can really, you know, turn on the access to other people. If you make people feel special, like they are the Queen of England or Oprah Winfrey, they're just so special. And uh, you make them feel that way with the way that you and your team interact with them, just the little care you have, just the extra phone call you make, maybe a little uh, a thoughtful touch, a handwritten note, a small gift that's meaningful to them. All those little things you could do, they really make a difference. They don't have to do this for everybody. Mm-hmm. You could literally do this with one client, three clients, maybe your top 10 clients. You deploy some of these client experience strategies, but you deploy some of these things. I mean, you don't even have to do much to try and get new leads. And it, it really just happens. So um, that's you know part of going deeper as well. Yeah. Is how we make these people feel much more special as a result of doing business with you.
1: I'm reminded of, we interviewed Jay Baer, who uh, wrote the book Utility or whatever. And he talked about the podiatrist example, (laughs) which is spot on to what you're saying. This podiatrist was getting an immense amount of repeat business referrals. Just their practice was blowing up, right? This doctor. And when he went in and kind of consulted and found out what the doctor was doing, they weren't doing something earth shattering. They were doing something very simple. They added basically a phone call to all new patients to welcome them. And then all patients before they went in for a major like surgery Surgery, or anything like that. And it's like what Jay Bear pointed out is exactly what you're pointing out, which is everybody expected the phone call after surgery. You know, how's the pain? How's the medicine? That's you just expect that service, right? but nobody expected to get a call from the actual doctor before they went in, as crazy as that sounds. And that little bit caused their you know, doctor's office just to explode.
0: You know what's neat? That didn't cost a lot of money. It was just a little bit of effort. That's what's neat about a lot of these experienced things. They're, they're not expensive. I'm a student of the Ritz-Carlton. You know, they have, they're known for being one of the most successful client service organizations. It's very clickable. You know, if, you, if your business deals with humans, there is learning from the Ritz-Carltons. A lot of books about them. There's the Gold Standard. There's Excellence Wins by Horst Schultz, one of the co-founders. It's uh, it's really great stuff. And a lot of what you learn is just it's effort based. Mm-hmm. Is all it is. It's not that they're spending a lot of money to make people feel special. It's just it's little things that all the ladies and gentlemen there do to make others feel special. It's that extra phone call, a handwritten note. Like who does that? These yep. days, how many people it's so impressive when you actually get one, when you get something that's relevant, like an article or a gift that aligns with the interest, you know, it just doesn't have to be expensive, just small little thing, all these little things. It's just a little bit of effort makes a difference. Now, if you have team members, they're allowed to do this too. So if you have someone answering the phone or helping you schedule appointments, these little things that they can be listening for help, just listen to what's going on in their life. Like, oh, you know, my dog is sick. Uh, I'm going to have to reschedule, you know, my appointment. Oh my gosh, there's something we could do here. Why don't we send a gift to the dog? You know, why don't we call the client in a couple of days say, Oh my gosh, we're so worried about your dog. How are they doing? Mm. You know, that deepens the relationship and it's just a little bit of effort that could be done that really makes people feel special.
2: Or even keeping a note of it, like keeping a note of it and bringing that up on the next call. Like, Hey, by the way, how's the dog? Like that, that carries so much weight in the relationship. And More I also love how you pointed out, look, if if you're not like you might not be able to do it with everyone right away, but start yes, doing it with that's someone. The key.
0: That's the, and this sounds overwhelming to a lot of yeah. people. Like, oh my gosh, I could never be the Ritz Carlton. Well, none of us can. That's an incredible organization that's figured this out over many, 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 many years. Start with one client. Yeah. Start with three <laughs> clients. Start with maybe your top 10. You really can start small and if you have a term that Ritz uses is have your radar on and antenna up with this small group of people. It's much easier to pick up on the things going on in their life and the little things that might make them feel special. It's much easier to do with a small number of people. Maybe it gets expanded, but you make a small number of your ideal clients feel special. Small number of people who can connect you to others like them or other ideal clients for your business oh my gosh, it's like the geese that laid the golden egg.
2: How are you coaching people on that, on asking for the referral? I know a mm-hmm. lot of people kind of stumble with that because they don't want to come out and ask. They don't want to sound needy. They don't want to impose anything. Like making a referral is a big deal for a lot of people. How are you coaching uh, your advisors to to ask for that?
0: I More would cool. say, listen to Brandon Hegg's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so he did That's a perfect
2: mom. plug right, right there. It is the easiest
0: method we've ever seen that ip method of improve praise ask um it, it's not like the put a piece of paper in a pen in front of somebody and ask them who's five people you know that own an airplane mm. like it's not a a uh, off-putting it doesn't make anyone uncomfortable i think the more comfortable you make people feel in that setting the best referrals are actually all about turning people's radar on A lot of times you might not even get the referral when you position referrals properly. But if you turn people's radar on and they go out into the world, it might be two weeks later, they come across somebody and they say, you know what? Oh my gosh, I should refer this person to Brandon because I was thinking about it. So if you listen to his podcast, it's really just, you know, IPA stands for um, improve, praise, ask. Improve is, hey, what can we do better? We want to be the best. And clients usually say, oh my gosh, you're really good. And then praise is, I really enjoy working with you. You're one of our best clients and here's why. You always take our advice or you you always get our latest policies that saves you money. Whatever it might be that you could say about the client and if you get real specific, which kind of leads into this next topic of target marketing, but if you can get real specific, that I really enjoy working with people like you. I really enjoy working with executives with XYZ Company, or I really enjoy working with other podiatrists just like you. It kind of directs them to what to look for, and they ask. It could simply be that seed planting, that that reminder of if there's anyone that like you that I can help, just let me know. I make time for. Them. And so you're turning their radar on as they go out into the world. And so if they're feeling really good about the experience, you just, you know, you, you have that simple conversation that Brandon will take you through a little further. Oh my gosh, it makes it so easy and it works. It's probably the best method I've ever seen. I've tried them all myself. I've seen <laughs> advisor try them all. Uh, it, it's the greatest thing. It really works very quickly for
1: people. I love that. I agree. And what I loved about what Brandon said and what you're saying is just, So much of it, people don't understand, is that brand awareness. It's the turning the radar on. It's the top of mind. It's they're not thinking about it. And if you can get them thinking about it and you're referable, which is a criteria, that's just the foundation. You got to be referable. Then people will give. They just don't know to give. And that's a huge mistake that people make is they just don't ask enough. I'm, I'm curious, before we move into target marketing, do you have any advice you give to people how often they should be in front of their database? Like how often should you be touch point wise in front of your clients? Have you seen success in that in any of the advisors yeah. you've worked with so
0: um I'll, I'll share some data from another uh, another firm. This comes from a big uh financial company, and um they shared that um, this, this comes from Invesco, who does a lot of okay. you know, interesting research on the financial industry. And uh, I was at a, a conference, a, a Forbes top advisor conference that was last October. They had some interesting data and they said for people that get four meaningful contacts a year, that those clients were like low single, like three or 4% likely to refer. They said the clients that have monthly contact, monthly, Meaningful contact, they were like ninety four percent. Wow, likely wow. to refer. It's pretty crazy. Wow. So um, I, I have a friend uh, named Rob Knapp. He, he was uh, executive financial industry. Wrote a great book, Supernova Advisor. So one to book quote that's that's one of my one of my favorite books. I like to read. He kind of figured that out that. He was good at bringing in clients, wasn't great at keeping them, and that's kind of the story of the book. Of hey, how can I enhance the experience and you know take care of my top people? And one of the things he found is that they just wanted to hear more often. So if you're in the financial industry, the markets are crazy. You know, people just want to hear your voice that mm-hmm. hey, we're going to be okay. You know, this happens uh, in, in cycles. You know, it's a good thing for rebalancing. We're buying some stuff low right now. Oh gosh, because I was worried. You know, thank you. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Next month. Next, next thing that comes out, these aren't long, these don't have to be long, They're just short phone calls really make a big difference. So what, what Supernova Advisor did is just lay out over the course of the year, you can have four like traditional meetings, but have short phone calls in between. So there's your monthly meaningful contact. And as you know, your business gets bigger, if you have a bunch of you know insurance agents on your team, I mean, there could be other people from your team reaching out. Um, in doing it, but that really says a lot and, and I tell you, the the real estate agents wh- whoever's reaching out to their people more often they get the most. So I would always I always say if you think you're doing enough, think again. Yeah. there's always more effort we could do reaching out to existing people and I, it'll lead to good stuff you know just like Invesco's data suggested, we'll get a lot more referrals.
1: It makes perfect sense. I mean, for us, in our experience, we've always told people minimum once a month. Um, ideally, we have found, obviously, if you can drip on someone 26 times a year, of course, accounting, you're accounting a lot of different things there, then you will have such a solid relationship with them because you're in front of them every two weeks. Every two weeks out of the year, they're getting something from you. They're talking to you. And if you think about your friends, like if you think about it in terms of touch points, then you're like, whoa. But if you think about it in terms of like your friends, you're like, if I only talk to my friend, my actual good, good friend every two weeks, they wouldn't be that great of a friend, (laughs) right? So it's like, so the point being is that it's really hard. I always tell people, it's really hard to do too many touch points. It's really easy to do too little. Um, I think people get scared that they're going to do too many. We have an example of an advisor. His business pulls out like $6 million a year is what they produce And he's doing 200 touch points a year. Now he counts everything, every email sent, every text message, right? He's an analytical guy, of course. Um, But, um, you know, so I I say, okay, 200, maybe you don't have to put in that much effort, but heck, look at his business. Don't make it 200 phone calls. Yeah, yeah, not 200 200 phone phone calls. calls. But the point being is I always drive it home for people that it's very hard to do too many touch points. It's If they're meaningful and the right intent and the right heart, the right posture that you're doing towards the client. Very hard to do too many. So talk to us about target marketing and, you know, going after that second half. So if you've mastered and you're focusing, going deeper with your current clients, because it's the easiest path forward, what about going after the market that doesn't know you exist? What's your advice there?
0: So I, I would just say that it's easier to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. If you're a small fish in the big ocean, it's really hard to get numb. So there are riches in niches. And so if you can target your efforts on a smaller number of people, you know, you'll know you become that bigger fish in that smaller pond and become known much easier to the people you'd like to work with. So it's it, the advisors that I work with that figure this out. I mean, they grow so quickly. And a lot of people out there don't realize that they might have a niche sitting right in front of them. And it might start with one person that you do business with might be the niche that leads to a whole bunch of other people. So not everyone likes to refer, but do you probably have connectors in your body that may have referred you others. I mean, that's the easiest places to start. What do they do? What's their connections to people like them? And could that be a target you go after? I mean, it could be people that are members of a certain country club. It could be someone that works in a certain industry or someone that works at a specific company. It is a game changer. Because it's so much easier. I'll tell a great story about an advisor. It's one of my um, favorite clients I've worked with. He does a little bit of coaching with us now. He, I met him. He was only doing maybe 250000 in revenue in his business about 10 years ago. Uh, 10 years later, he grew this, applying all the simple stuff. He basically did the stuff that we're talking about here is all he did. And he grew up to 2.8 million Mm. and sold the whole thing for 10 million. Now he's a big real estate mogul buying and selling real estate or um, apartment complexes. So the, the niche for this person was they realized, oh my gosh, I got two people that work at the same place. I really like working with them. They're very easygoing. One person referred me to the other one and they said, maybe I could do more here. And you know what? It turned into like 120 clients over the years because this person, this advisor just was laser focused on this one place of business. And their goal is I want to work with as many people as possible at this one place. So not everyone has like a company that they can be a target, but it's one of the best ones that you could have because guess what? People spend a lot of time with the people they work with. So it's very easy for them to chat. It's very easy for them to refer other people just like them. And if you really focus your efforts to be an expert with the people in your target and really position yourself that, hey, I love working with these kind of people, it gets so much easier. Mm-hmm. And I'm t- these are the advisors that just when, when I have sessions with them, they say, oh, my gosh, I have so many new people coming in. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like i need to hire another financial advisor Great my problem. team to handle this <laughs> i mean it happens every time when you focus on the niche it's just like a massive explosion in action
2: is there so, a yeah, is there like a process that you have people go through in order to find their ideal client you're nodding so i'm assuming there's some sort of process a one size yeah, fits absolutely. all type of thing.
0: and it's it's kind of a mystery for a lot of people yeah i mean it, it was for me i mm-hmm. kind of found mine as an advisor it's it's you know, we're all busy. We have all these distractions. It's hard to do, but there is a process you can go through. And, and I can guarantee there's somebody in your book now that is the start of a niche. You know, maybe one client and maybe a group of clients that you have that's the start. It's, it's just identifying that. It's identifying who I enjoy working with, who I have access to and could get deeper with others. You know, It's big. I think for any of us, new business is about access. You know, who do you really have access to? It's hard to be unknown. It's hard to go to a pond that, you know, we have no access to and try and become known. There's so much effort to try and break in and get there. But if you have an access point, someone can get you in. Oh my gosh, it's, it happens quickly.
1: Yep. I have found too that it, it has a lot to do with like, when you get down to a niche, you can really define that value proposition.
2: That so much you, clearer. Yeah. yeah,
1: that you bring to the table. And so it's like, if you're in real estate and you work, Majority with um, families who are buying their first home, right? Type idea. Then all of your marketing can go around that messaging. Every data point that you give talks about what's happening with families and first time home buyers for families. Like it's just everything hones in and it makes it so much easier now to know, hey, this is the content I put out. Every time I have conversations, it's around this. The big fear though, is that most people don't think their niche is going to be big enough to provide for them. Mm. And that's mm. what you see in, in new like agents, new advisors, stuff all the time. They, they feel they have to go out there and just everybody and anybody just spread and cast a wide as net as, as possible because they don't think the niche is going to provide. What do you say to an advisor or to an agent that has like that struggle, that mental block?
0: You know, I have a, um, I have a chapter about that in my book. Attract more clients, better clients. Things. it's basically all the stuff we're talking about here. Um, I have a whole chapter on that, just how you know casting that wide net is what we think we should do, but uh, we pick up a lot of junk, right? If you cast like a net in the sea, you're going to get you know buckets and uh, sure. all kinds of plastic, trash and, right, yeah. you're going to get stuff you don't want. You're gonna get not going to get that awesome tuna that you're really after. Mm-hmm. So that's where targeting cuts out the clutter. It cuts up the track, cuts up the people that you don't want to work with. So it is scary to say, "Well, I'm going to start fishing in a small pond." But the people who do it, and the smaller the pond mm-hmm. they do it in, the bigger results they get. Yeah. It gets so much easier to go fishing and mm-hmm. to get you know the, the the you know the big ones, the 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 kind of penetration that you want to have. Now, look, you could have one, two, maybe three targets or niches that you work. I see people usually have one to three that they'll work. So, you know, it doesn't have to be just one small pond, but you've got to graduate from trying to get anyone anywhere. It's too hard to get known. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to get known and get easy referrals when you're working a much smaller market. So not just podiatrists, but maybe podiatrists, you know, with a specialty that maybe are in like this exact location, you know, the deeper you can go in with your niche, again, much easier to find others just like them.
2: Love that. Talk about this uh, client advocacy boards and how you're using that or coaching people on that to to attract new clients, better clients. So
0: it's just a group of people in a target it is the best way to learn how to work with people like them. So I, I've I've gotten to participate, you know, a lot of these that I did you know, when I had my practice, but I get to participate in some with some of the the top uh, fast growing advisors that I work with, and so they're basically just a group of favorite clients there's people who are in the target and it's almost like that same ipa process for, for for you almost run the meeting the same way and you let them know hey you're among my favorite people to work with we want to be the best at working with people like you and just ask for their help how do we get connected with people like you? Oh, so this you? is what almost do you do like you me?
1: it's a mastermind group of like your clients that are helping I you
0: I call it an advocacy board, not an advisory board, because it's not like a focus group. It's yeah. not, hey, what do you think we should do different? They might say, well, our statement's really long and hard to read. Can you change that? Oh, not really. Yeah, because compliance. It's, not, yeah. it's just people that are referring people in the niche. These are the advocates that are in the group. So the advocates get it. You don't I even love have that. To have a referral conversation. They probably makes
1: it. them feel special too. Yes,
0: they suddenly have ownership.
1: Yeah, over what that. you're
0: doing because you're asking for their advice. And if you implement what they suggest, they're going to be all over it, right? If you're asking them, hey, should I put on some cool event that's really fun and people like you would want to come with? Oh my gosh, yes. If you did this, I would invite my friends. Cool. When should we do it? How should we invite them? What time should we do it? You know, if you let them pick all these things, they suddenly own it. They're going to show up. They're going to bring people to it. And it's like, you know, rocket fuel for your strategy. And listening to them is so big. I know as advisors, I'm sure a lot of other professionals, you know, we think we know it's going to work. Or we heard, hey, this, someone else did this. so I'm going to copy and paste it. We've got, I mean, these strategies work, but you've got to listen to your target. What do yes. they want to do? Yes. They might not want to go to the fancy steakhouse. This advisor grew from 250 to 2.8 million, sold their business for 10, 10 million. They were trying to take people in their niche to a fancy steakhouse. And they said, we don't like it. Mm. We got this place that, you know, it's a barbecue place. They serve beer. We like going there. You know, if you do some things there, I'll bring everyone. I'll bring all That's the people to work with.
1: You know?
0: <laughs> was, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. So their guidance is so critical in your niche. You really want to go deeper, you need some guides to, to help you along the way. So look uh, you could have a small group of people. you could have multiple boards of people within a niche. you could have boards within multiple niches. And look, you could have these same individual conversations with people. You know you don't have to have a board. you could have you know client advocacy board individual conversations to get the guidance from those people. you know they know what's going to work. We may not know. So we just got to learn for them and let them be your guide. That's the best way to think about it. They're flattered to be part of it. They will gladly give feedback. These advocates get it. And that's kind of people you want to have in a group.
1: I love that, man. Yes, that's so good. I mean, you mentioned the Allison interview and then he said one of the best things you can do is instead of hiring a consultant, just go to your top clients and ask them what they love. There's a huge opportunity. Yeah, they're
2: your best consultants and they pay
1: you. Yeah, they pay you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're great. It's right from us. we miss it. <laughs> <laughs> well, gotta ask you, John, is there a mantra that you live your life by? Like a principle or mantra you tend to live your life by?
0: You know, it's make a difference in the world. It's really, I wake up every day just thinking, how can I make a difference in the world? Um, My wife, she's a principal of a little private school. She loves it. She makes a difference every day for these kids. We try and teach our our two sons, you know, life's about making a difference in the world. I'm I'm very proud of really close friends that, you know, they have the same mantra and, and, um, they really try and make a difference. And, you know, you just apply it in life and in, in business, good things happen. But hey, and we're all humans. And, you know, if we make a difference for other people in the world, you know, good things come back to us. So try and live every day and wake up every day thinking about that.
1: I love that. Yeah, yeah. it's so good. I always tell people, if you want a life of significance, it's do a life of service. Um, and that's that's really where impact comes from. And it's really where legacy and all that comes from. So that's that's
2: fantastic. All right, John. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, Before we close out, let people know how they can connect with you, learn more about what you're doing.
0: Yeah, You can check out our website, g 2com Check me out on LinkedIn. Look me up. It's J-O-N Randall, R-A-N-D-A-L-L. Look me up on Facebook. I'm always hanging out up there. That's where most people find me and message me. So I love to answer more questions. Love to share more value. I've got tons of videos out there. They're all on social media about all this kind of stuff. Yeah, his
1: videos Um, are great,
2: guys. Check them out.
0: Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. So great to be on here. I love what you guys are doing. Keep it going.
2: Thanks, John. And thanks for subscribing, John. (laughs)
0: I love it. I'm a student of the business. I love listening to your guests. It's fun.
2: Thank you all so much for listening. You can dive deeper to this episode to get the show notes, along with all those links that John mentioned over at staypaidpodcast.com is where you will find all of those. If you enjoyed this episode and looking for ways to support the show, only two ways we ask you to do that. First is head on over to Apple Podcast, drop us a five-star review and a comment to let us know how we're doing. And the best way to show your support is to tell a colleague about this episode. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast.remindermedia.com. And of course, you can find us on social media as well. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Steik.
1: Guys, I'm Luke Acre What a great episode. I literally looked at the clock and I was like, I can't Ooh, believe I how much time went by. That was crazy. And I feel like we barely scratched the surface. That was awesome. So here's my action item for you because I think it's really powerful, something you guys can all take advantage of right away. Create that client advocacy board. What an incredible idea that we have never heard before on the podcast, where you can literally get together your target audience, your advocates, and literally it will make them feel special and you get to learn what's going to be valuable to them so you can go attract more people like them. Remember, the difference between top producers and mediocre producers in every single business is top producers take action. Take action on that today.